Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, serious question. Are there mm. any good airlines? Oh man, you know I'm getting ready to fly and I'm so stressed about this. I mean, I feel like JetBlue used to be good. It used to be great. Used to be my favorite. And then it's like happened? all of them are just going tits up right now. Uh, build us a train, Secretary Pete. Secretary Pete, give us a high speed train across America, please. <laughs> Just at least from Melissa's house to my house. You know, so you know I would take the train to see you. You know I would take that journey. Or better, we could like meet in the middle of the country and like Aww. explore together. I'm picturing a little like whistle stop town with oh, a are you fried kidding? green tomatoes. Matching backpacks. <laughs> oh my God, I, I want that to be real. The Netflix series would write itself. <laughs> This week, we are joined by Senator Amy Klobuchar and Fiona Pestana to take on the following questions. Does the Supreme Court deserve any credit for being slightly less shitty than we expected? Don't worry, guys. There's still time for them to be terrible. What awkward seating arrangement led to Senator Amy Klobuchar getting an impromptu astrology reading? Where did all these anti-trans laws come from? And can you can it with the fireworks already? All this and more right now. Okay, Alyssa, news this week. Mm. I'm really excited about the interview. I kind of am bummed out about the news. So maybe we should just let's just easy breezy. Tick through the news, you know? Tick tick through it. The Supreme Court is at it, Aaron. Oh, no. They're they're at it. But, uh, you know, I guess how does it all how does it all come down? It could be worse. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, they're they're done. So the Supreme Court's term is mm-hmm. done this week. It really is annoying how opaque the whole thing is. Like, yes. Yeah, like on Monday, I looked at the calendar and it's like, oh, there's opinions on Tuesday and no more opinions. And then, no, but actually that doesn't mean anything. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Get and with the rest of us. Then they're you know? gone until the end of September, beginning of October. 
So what is, oh, they got to go on their vacations. Got to take their billionaires on vacations. Hiatus. Yeah, go fishing. Go get some salmon. Some <laughs> <laughs> well, before they can head off for salmon, Aaron, they dropped some opinions this week. Yes. Starting earlier this week. Starting earlier this week. And it hasn't been as bad as people feared. But but like, come on, our bar for this court is so low. It is a corruption machine. And we cannot lose sight of that, even if they sometimes do things that aren't disappointing. Right. And so let's see. On Tuesday, the Supreme Court denied state legislatures the unchecked power to set election rules. The synopsis alone tells you. It's like, okay, that sounds that sounds correct. Like, right. imagine if they had done the opposite. Right, right. It's like, Alyssa, if you had me house-sitting for you when you were on vacation and I sent you a text and I was like, Alyssa, I'm pleased to announce that I didn't piss in your living room. Thank you so much, Aaron. Yeah, Thank oh you so God. much. Aaron, you're a great house-sitter because you didn't Bonus. piss in my living room. <laughs> exactly. So in this decision, uh, many consider a major decision. It turns away a conservative push to empower state legislatures by a six to three vote. The court rejected the, quote, independent state legislature cuckoo nut theory uh, in a case about North Carolina's congressional map considered a fringe theory. It broadly argued that state courts have little or no authority to question state legislatures on election laws for federal contests. Oh, God. That was like another Airbud legal theory. You know, I mean, like, it doesn't say dogs can't be president. You know, it's like so. But on one hand, it's like, well, the Constitution does say that it is the state legislature's responsibility, but it also doesn't say that state legislatures can't be checked. Like, exactly. Anyway. Also on Tuesday, the Supreme Court made it more difficult to convict someone of making a threat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, including against a president or elected officials, I don't, I feel like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not out here encouraging anybody to threaten anybody. No, of course not. But I feel like we're in a very politically charged moment. And it seems to me that the justices, uh, there are some concrete and recent examples of the justices being subject to threats. So it's strange to me that would be like, nah, we're going to kick that in our own goal this time. <laughs> it seems not Good. The case involved a man who was sentenced to more than four years in prison in Colorado for sending threatening Facebook messages. Uh, the guy's lawyers argued that he suffers from mental illness and never intended his messages to be threatening. Um, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, yeah. I know plenty of mentally ill people, and they tend to have a sense of when things are threatening and not threatening. But, yeah. You know. Whatever. Also on Monday, the Supreme Court allows for Louisiana. Now, Aaron, this is the only time your witch hat has been slightly askew. The only time. In okay. 260 episodes, the only time your okay. witchery has gone slightly off track. You you say askew, I say jaunty. It was jaunty. You know what? It, it stopped for a snack on the way. Uh, okay. The Supreme Court allowed for Louisiana congressional map to be redrawn to add another majority black district. The justices reversed plans to hear the case themselves and lifted a hold they placed on a lower court's order for a reworked redistricting regime. There were no noted dissents. Okay. Hmm. The way okay. the lines were previously drawn limited the impact of black voters. So we'll take this. Yeah. This is, I mean, look, they also ruled uh, on Monday that a North Carolina charter school that is a public school cannot right. force girls to wear skirts. 
Uh, they declined without comment to hear an appeal from the Charter Day School in the eastern North Carolina town of Leland. Uh, a federal appeals court had previously ruled that the school's dress code violated students' constitutional rights. So basically, your public school, you can't be like, hey, ladies, <laughs> dress like we're in Handmaid's Tale auditions. The, the part of that that really concerned me was that the school founder said the dress code was intended to promote chivalry. What? <laughs> like, what? Unless you are literally installing a way for me to pee without having to sit on a toilet, like lady urinals where I can just hike my skirt up and totally. pee in a lady urinal. Like, don't make me wear a skirt unless it benefits me. That's ridiculous. Also, like, you want to be a private school then. Yeah. Don't, you're, you're taking totally. public. Be a private school. That's that's the deal. There are a few other things that the court has ruled on this session. I think one thing that gets kind of lost in the shuffle is we're all sort of like mildly relieved that they didn't further gut the Voting Rights Act right. and they didn't force girls to wear skirts in school in North Carolina. They did really uh, take a swing at the Clean Water Act, yep. which impacts pretty much everybody in the U.S. drinking uh Polluted water is largely considered bad, medically mm -hmm. bad. Mm, bad. Um, so that that's not great. And and they have been an enemy to the environment. And they are still enemies to bodily autonomy yes. for women everywhere. Like, this is still the court that overturned Roe v. Wade last year. And now tens of millions of women live in states where they can't legally access abortion care. So, you know, I— I feel like a lot of coverage is like, oh, look, at they're not doing it. It's like, no, no, fuck them. Fuck them. No. There's no unfucking them. They sat down at dinner and there was a menu of terrible and all they did was just skip a few sides. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They ordered all the rest of it. And on Thursday or Friday, we don't know because these divas are drama queens. Uh, on Thursday or Friday, we're going to learn about what they've decided in the affirmative action case right. that could make race-based considerations in college admissions illegal. Um, there are some states where it's already not a thing, like in California race-based considerations are not a thing. Um, but it could make it illegal across the country. Right. Um, I think we're—what else are we waiting on for the Supreme Court? We're waiting mm. on—oh, student loan relief. Oh, student right. Student loan relief. Right, right, right. So we're waiting to see if the court agrees with some Missouri whiny bitches uh, that allege that Biden overstepped his executive authority by uh, forgiving student loan debt for certain borrowers. So we're going to see. I think we both think those may not go well. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they like to save the little fart for right before they exit the elevator. For you mean the right before Fourth of July week? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The day that they likely drop these opinions is actually by the FAA being called the busiest potential travel day since before COVID. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. That, I mean, not it's not funny. Haha. It's like funny ah, to imagine the court being like, oh, and uh, you still owe the $20,000. Bye. See ya. But what I hope they think about is that as me personally, if I am sitting there and my flight is canceled in the airport, it's not going to make me take this news any better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, this is why I drive, even in the <laughs> massive, the massive uh, proportions of the American West. I'm like, you know what? I would rather drive 10 hours yeah. than an hour to the airport, then wait two hours, and then an hour long flight, and then it takes an hour to get out of there. I'd rather mm -hmm. just drive. I would, yeah, it's fine. Okay, uh, Donald Trump's an idiot still. Oh my um, God. When can we stop getting breaking news alerts about him? 
I don't know. It's exhausting. (laughs) He, okay. So CNN got access to an audio recording of the former president and his team discussing the fact that they had documents that they shouldn't have. They can't declassify them, but they are going to show them to people who are not authorized to see them anyway. And that sounds like a... I'm making it more sophisticated than the recording yes. actually yes. did. It's like, yeah, you're not supposed to see it, but want to look? Uh, here you go. Like, yeah. and it's like, it, and it's not only that. It's not only that. Like, he admits that he knows that the documents are secret. He knows that he can't make them declassified anymore because he's no longer the president. He's not supposed to show them to the person he's about to show them to. And then he does it anyway. And um, his legal team, yeah, he says these are the papers. These are the papers. What a sophisticated <laughs> sentence. He also asks for somebody to go get them some Cokes. Some so, Cokes. Some yeah. Cokes. And Aaron, the best part, best part of all this is these papers were about a plan of attack on Iran. <laughs> yeah. And what? Yeah. Just hanging out by the pool being like, let me show you something else. It's not funny, but it's so stupid. You can't help but laugh. What is also funny is that the writer that Trump was wagging these papers in front of was writing Mark Meadows' memoir. <laughs> like, nobody... Who wants... Who gives a fuck about Mark Meadows? Who I guess is now. showing off for Mark Meadows' biographer? <laughs> yeah. I... Donald Trump. He will show off for anybody, including the person ghostwriting Mark Meadows' biography. Yikes. And it's funny because, like, honestly, congratulations to Mark Meadows for innovating a new way to sell books because... Totally. Uh, nobody was going to read that book. And now I think a lot of people are. A, a, a medium amount of people are. But, I mean, is there going to be anything left in the book by the time this in, this indictment and trial is over? It seems like a lot of the book's going to end up being evidence. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be in a museum, though. It'll be in a museum. Oh, tiny, tiny museum. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Alyssa, you had one more story you wanted to talk about. I did have one more. Everyone on this planet talked about what was going on during the trying to raise the submersible for the four days that we all saw it plastered Uh, on the news. The billionaire trip to the bottom of the sea. Exactly. And so you and I had talked about this, but uh, we wanted to flag that the far right Italian government hates immigrants and they will go to astounding lengths to prove it. Here is someone we want to, we think more people should know about. Pia Klemp, a German sea captain, one of just a handful of female boat captains, was recently sentenced to 20 years in prison because she helped rescue over a thousand migrants who were trying to cross the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Klemp said she's going to fight this all the way to the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. But like, what the fuck? Yeah, Italy is really fucked up. It is dark and and like she saved people's lives Mm -hmm. like what was the alternative she was supposed to cruise by yeah it is sickening and especially she is one person with one boat who saved a thousand migrants and it took the united states and canada to try to get the five people in the submersible i'm just saying Mm -hmm. give a job to a woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i mean and and migrants drowning while trying to cross the mediterranean is a serious and ongoing ongoing issue. Just a couple weeks ago, I think kind of during the beginning of the coverage of the submersible that everybody was talking about, uh, there was a boat that sank off of the coast of Greece. Right. Um, and there's an investigation into whether the Navy, the Greek Navy, actually hampered 
the rescue. Um, and it, it's truly heartbreaking and, and truly awful. So we'll be setting up a Google alert for Pia Klemp because this better end with her getting a parade for doing the right thing. Yes. Really excited for today's interview. We've got to take a quick break, but stick around and we will be right back. Welcome back to Hysteria, the podcast that appreciates a savory jam and a spicy take. Today, we are excited to be welcoming back this Hysteria fave. She's the chairwoman of the Senate Democratic Steering and Outreach Committee. She currently sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee and her new memoir, The Joy of Politics, Surviving Cancer, A Campaign, A Pandemic, An Insurrection, and Life's Other Unexpected Curveballs is out now. She can also summon snow simply by stepping up to a podium. Senator Amy Klobuchar, welcome to Hysteria. Well, thank you, Erin. That was the best intro ever. And thank you, Alyssa. It's great to be on. <laughs> Senator, let's start by talking about your book. Why did you decide to write a memoir now? Well, everyone in our country has been through hell, really, from the pandemic, uh, the divisiveness in our politics. And I wanted to write it because I thought that my experiences actually reflected what a lot of people have. There were some that were unique, I will admit that, but my husband getting COVID, he's now arriving right on time to deliver milk in the back here. I just heard him. Oh, he, he defied us. He went the other way. Anyway, my husband getting COVID, going through breast cancer, really being isolated from so many people. My dad got sick and died during the pandemic. And, you know, I had the same experience so many people could have not being able to visit him, having a really, really small funeral uh, because of all the rules in place. And all of that um, was experiences other people had. But the other thing I wanted to do was instead of just lamenting the setbacks, because we can spend a lot of time doing that right now, it's also rejoicing in the comebacks. The way I've seen it, our country has come back. People are gathering again. You're starting to see people that maybe you didn't even want to see before the pandemic at work, but you got to deal with them. And we're just in a much better place. And so I wanted to tell that story as well, including getting through cancer and all the people that helped me um, and getting through the insurrection out to the other side, onto that inaugural stage where I got to introduce, be the first person to introduce President Biden um, after he got sworn in. All of those stories were part of my life since the presidential. And I felt it was important to talk about how there's joy in our politics because there's just so much negativity out there right now. Some of it produced by politicians, some of it coming from the outside. But in the end, there's actually some fun. There's joy in getting things done and getting benefits for a veteran, helping someone with an adoption, even saving their honeymoon with a passport problem. That is actually joy. So when you get a, you know, card in the mail from them with their little happy honeymoon in Mexico. So those are the kinds of things that I talk about in the book. In your book, Senator, it sounds like a lot of people you disagree with politically are also among the colleagues that you think of very warmly, like Tom Tillis, Roy Blunt, and John Thune. Who are some of the people furthest from you politically, but who you consider the closest friends? 
Okay, so one person who is just a pain in many ways is uh, to many people because he slows down a lot of legislation. But we were kind of thrown together on the antitrust subcommittee. That's Mike Lee. He's one of the most conservative people in the Senate. But we have found a way to work things out and to be able to work together. An example of that recently was when the Taylor Swift Ticketmaster thing blew up. I knew we were going to have to have a hearing, but it's much better if we do a hearing together. He actually sent me a copy of the text and and gave me permission to say it publicly that his daughter had sent him, who was a big Taylor Swift fan. The text said, Dad, if you don't do something about it, I am calling Amy Klobuchar directly. (laughs) I once got his family. They were somehow, someone didn't have the right ID to go to the White House when President Obama was in, Alyssa, in your time. And they were somehow like set aside. There was some boyfriend of someone. I had to intervene to help with that. There have been many amusing moments. And so that's an example. I think maybe someone who is a little closer ideologically, more of someone who was more constructive within the Senate would be uh, Roy Blunt and Rob Portman. I went to Ukraine with Rob in August of last year, right in the middle of the war. And we worked on so many things together with regard to Ukraine and the security investigation of what went wrong after January 6th. And Roy and I headed up the Rules Committee together. And that has been a a lifelong friendship, actually, uh, involving four in the morning. It was Roy and me and Vice President Pence that were making that walk with the three pairs of young women with the mahogany boxes, with the last of the electoral ballots from the Senate to the House to make sure that democracy would prevail walking over broken glass. Roy was devoted to making sure that the inauguration went off and it went off beautifully and that it was outside on the platform where the insurrectionists had invaded and the two of us pulled that off together. So those are things you don't forget in your life um, when there are those things that are so important to the nation. But just as important are the little things we did together, including changing the Senate rules to get Tammy Duckworth's baby on the floor. I recount in the book. This senator, another part of the book that I just couldn't get enough of is when you're talking about you, another of your favorite Republicans, John McCain and Bernie Sanders, sitting together during the inauguration, seeing Trump be inaugurated. You all realize it's utterly catastrophic. But then you go inside to sit down for lunch as chairman of the Rules Committee. You're seated next to Trump's brother. Yes. What did he choose to talk to you and your husband about? This question, except you, Alyssa, out of the book. That is very funny. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I put that in there and I thought, is anyone going to notice? Yes, he uh, spent most of the lunch asking about our astrological signs. (laughs) That is correct. And he had some maybe insightful comments about my husband and me and what that meant when I was a Gemini, but I am not revealing that. (laughs) Oh my God. That was another part. I remember former Senator Cory Gardner was also at the table from Colorado with his wife and they are witnesses to this moment in history, but (laughs) we all agreed it would stay there except for the general discussion and that he was very obsessed with their astrological signs. I also told the story in that part about the inaugural stage, when the Trump guests start coming up, John McCain, who was always irascible and such a good friend, turned to me and said, this inauguration is setting an all-time record in America. And I thought he meant some, you know, grand history moment. I go, what? He said, 
most money ever spent on plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, meow. As it went on, we were all in good behavior, including Bernie, because, you know, it's the inauguration. This is, was a shocker moment. But as the speech got darker and darker, McCain started reciting names of dictators and Mussolini and actual speeches. I didn't write it down, but they were actual dates of speeches because he was such a student of history. And I always felt, um, including his decision to go with me and Lindsay, he planned this trip, Lindsey Graham, right before the inauguration, after Trump got elected to Ukraine, believe it or not, yes, and Georgia, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. He wanted to show those nations that we were on their side because he was just on to a lot of the what was going to be happening with Trump in a big way. And that is part of what was going on on that stage, but also part of what he did in those next years before he died, including voting to uphold the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Senator, here on Hysteria, we pride ourselves on having a pretty good track record for predicting the way that news stories are going to unfold. What's a major event or development that you've successfully predicted during your life in politics? even though people might not have believed you at the time. This one, I don't know if I put this in there or not, but when the Supreme Court debated the Affordable Care Act, we had our caucus lunch. And I remember John Kerry had been there. He went to it. I didn't go to it. He went to it and he stood up and said he was really concerned because of the questions that were being asked by certain justices and and everyone was so glum and I stood up. I just had a strong feeling about it. And I said, Harry Reid at the time was running the caucus. And I said, I think that they're going to uphold it. And I think Roberts is going to not just vote for it. He's going to write the opinion. And that's what I said. Okay, so fast forward. The decision comes out. It's upheld. Roberts writes the decision. I remember the same. It was again a Tuesday when we had our lunch. And I walked in. I thought, no one's going to remember that as usual. But Harry <laughs> Reid stood up. He goes, before we begin, I'd like to say there was only one person in this caucus that got this right. And he said it was Amy that it would be upheld, that Roberts would write the decision. But here's the funny part. And then that it would be the decision would be made based on this esoteric tax theory, which I never said. But you know, you're like, whatever. Um, but uh, uh, that, that was a moment where I predicted something, yes. Senator Klobuchar, I wish you could have heard Senator Reed's review of my first book, which he called readable. Um, I wish he was here to read your book. Okay. After writing this book, is there something you didn't know about yourself when you ran for president that you wish you'd known? Hmm. I think that I knew a lot of my flaws going into running for president. I think that one of the things uh, that I learned from it was you've got to be really kind to people. I talk about a bit in the book about some of the stories that came out about me. And some were true, some of them weren't true. Some of them were in between and you can't really get into the whole thing. But clearly when I didn't really know it, I'd hurt some people's feelings. A lot of it was like, I apologize sometimes at the time, but pushing for these expectations that I had. So I kind of learned a lot about that in a hard way <laughs> and have taken that with me. I think that the other thing, that I learned from all of this was just the incredible kindness and goodness of the people of our country. And I knew that in my own state, but just the way people would show up, and this is 
in Iowa or New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, or really many of the other states that were we were heading into on Super Tuesday. They would just show up because they believed in something. They wanted to tell their story of how their daughter had gotten hooks on drugs and they were now taking care of their granddaughter and little backpack in the back and that we had to do more on addiction or that there weren't enough mental health beds in Iowa. I mean, it was incredible. Those things are forever seared on my memory, how these people would show up and tell these stories. Some people show up are there for groups, right? They have them come and they're mean or they're nice or whatever, but they have a plan. Then there's like legit citizens that are just showing up. In New Hampshire, hundreds and hundreds of people just showing up to evaluate the candidates because they feel like it's their constitutional duty to do that. And those are things you don't forget about America. So let's head home to Minnesota for this next question. Progressives in Minnesota have enacted an impressive amount of legislation this session with only a one-seat majority, including paid family leave and legalizing recreational marijuana use. Why was the Minnesota DFL so productive? And what can the rest of the country learn from them? And we're asking you this because you know Minnesota. You're like wildly popular. Give us some insight. Yeah. Well, I think that we were doing things for the right reasons. That's always a good thing. And people knew that. I think that we were organized and had worked uh, hard on a number of the policies. And you actually saw some of the same things with our zero vote margin, 50-50 in the U.S. Senate, when we were able to, with the tie-breaking vote of Vice President Harris, were able to pass the Inflation Reduction Act. You saw the work we did bipartisan across the aisle on infrastructure and those things. And I think the thing that Minnesota, to remember, we are a state that has the highest voter turnout in the country. We have a lot of independents, actually. If you don't believe me about that, I have three words for you, Governor Jesse Ventura. (laughs) And what was interesting about this, that while some of the races were quite close, Secretary Simon probably did the best because he was pushing fair elections, what's interesting about it is that their positions when it came to things like school lunch and other things did reflect where the majority of Minnesotans were. It's just that I think in our politics right now, that just gets so messed up. And I think that they felt, the governor and the people in the legislature felt they had an obligation to move forward with what people needed. And there was just a lot of pent up things, including even some changes to our election laws that needed to be made that had been made. So I think it was just the idea that they were reflecting where the people were in our state and they had wanted to move forward and they were organized and they felt that they had a mission to get it done and they got it done and they Um, We're just incredibly productive. Okay, Senator, before we let you go, Aaron and I are here under the guise of an interview, but really we are here for an intervention, (laughs) your intervention, because we loved your book and we think it should be a show. We think it should be a TV show. Oh, who would you want to play you? Because we have pitches. Okay, I would. I think I want to listen to you guys because, you know, I I don't I really am not going to go there. You know, remember, they got to be able to deal with hot flashes. That's in the book. Yeah. Oh, I love the hot flashes. Put my Um, head in the fridge. Aaron, who was your first pitch? Here's why we pitch these people. They need to be capable of being funny because you are the funniest senator. Very funny. You're the funniest senator, hands down. You're real funny, not just Washington funny. And that's real. So they have to be capable of being funny. And they also have to be capable of being a serious person dealing with serious issues. So our first pitch was Laura Dern. Oh, very cool. 
have to dye her hair. <laughs> Our second pitch was Katie Seagal, uh-huh. who is like a brilliant comedian and she's a great serious actor. And then Alyssa's, what was yours? Okay, so picture it, Senator. Francis McDormand in Nomadland uh, meets Something's Gotta Give, right? Yeah, no, you know this is a Minnesota connection. And Fargo, yes, and Fargo. Right. Well, no, the Coen brothers, of course, grew up in St. Louis Park. And right. my dad was a columnist, but a sports writer as well. They had one of his old books about the Vikings during Simple Man, the movie that they did about growing up Jewish in Minnesota. That book was on the coffee table in the movie. That's awesome. And oh. I got to go to the opening of the movie and she was there. And so, yeah, she's she's great. And she was incredible in Nomadland. Yeah. All right. Alyssa's writing it down. We're going to get Frances McDormand. <laughs> we'll be back on this. <laughs> Senator Klobuchar, thank you so much for joining us and for writing your excellent book. Listeners, it is available wherever books are sold. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. 
Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. I refuse to be uncomfortable if I want to be productive. I refuse (laughs) to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle. Which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very like on a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a oh yeah. You've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm gonna just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah, perfect, perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're. They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, Um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now. And I think I I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on on a short weekend trip. And they still looked great. It was like, Dad... Your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that's Barbie in the streets and Oppenheimer in the sheets. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, I don't I didn't write that because I do not know what Oppenheimer I, is. Uh, it's the movie about the uh, atomic bomb that it's opening. the oh, same. it's opening right, the same right, right. day as Barbie. Ugh, what were they thinking? I know I saw a real I mean, I feel as though that was a Poor choice by the studio behind Oppenheimer yeah. because Barbie is just going to run away with that weekend. Totally. Also, theaters are going to be hilarious if those movies get let out at the same time. You're going to be able to tell by people's faces which one they saw. A hundred percent. Pretty obviously. I'm hoping for some call and response during the Barbie movie. I hope it's as good as I want it to be. Yeah, totally. I've heard it's a real fun 
ride. But we're not going to talk about Barbie today as much as no. I would like to. We're probably going to do a whole episode about it later this summer. So we're wrapping up Pride Month, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think is missing from a lot of the Pride content is context about why we are where we are when it comes to anti-trans bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that these red state, slack-jawed, jowly morons are not coming up with this independently by themselves. No. We know that with anything that looks like a coordinated political attack, there is somebody behind it. There are people behind it. There's a history behind it. And I really think it's important for us to understand the entire anti-bodily autonomy, anti-women, anti-anything that combats the American dreamification, cisnormative white Christian nuclear family shtick. We want to get into why we are where we're at. Uh, These bills didn't come out of nowhere. They're planned. And uh, so we're going to bring in for their hysteria debut, somebody who has done a lot of work and research to give us some context about how we got here. Normally, they're working behind the scenes on the pod. This time, we wanted to get them in front of the mic. Fiona Pistana, welcome to Hysteria. Hi, Thank you so much for having me. Hey, what's up? Um, (laughs) I have to say, I will be so seated for Barbieheimer. Um, (laughs) I cannot wait for the double feature. It's going to be amazing. I also heard Oppenheimer is three hours, which is crazy to watch a three-hour war movie and then, you know, relax with some Barbie time. Uh, It was called Saving Private Ryan and it should only be done once. (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's a... Which one would you see first? I think that starting with Oppenheimer and ending with Barbie is the move. The release. It's like you get the detox of the trauma. Exactly, yeah. And Barbie is such like a party time. Like you want to be left with a good taste in your mouth. Oppenheimer is going to be very sad, I feel. So don't tell me how it ends. (laughs) (laughs) No spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. um, So Fiona, let's get into it. Have there been more laws targeting trans and gender nonconforming people in the last few years, or am I just imagining it? No, you are not just imagining it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There is a website called the Trans Legislation Tracker that is keeping track of everything that's been going on across the states. There are 28 national anti-trans bills going on, um, but in terms of the state level, there have been 83 anti-trans bills that have already passed on the state level, and that compared to 2022, and we're only mind you, halfway through 2023, Mm. there were only 26 anti-trans bills that passed last year. So it is rampant right now. I feel like Republicans are definitely using the off year to really have these bills come in in full force so that they can use it as some sort of like campaign tactic going into the 2024 election. Mm -hmm. Fee, why are these laws coming up? Republicans needed a wedge issue to rally their base of voters. And they've been trying to use like anti-transness as a way to do that for a while. It was just really unpopular. They were bringing it about in not the best ways. Like they started with bathroom bans. That wasn't super popular. Trump had the military ban not allowing Mm -hmm. trans people there. People weren't super mobilized by that. But then I feel like 
the media started talking about anti-trans bills and trans legislation and stuff. And there were moderate Democrats who were saying, you know, this angle is electoral poison. It's not going to work. And then at the same time, conservative activists, people like Jordan Peterson, um, Mm. were getting really riled up about this whole topic. They talk about it all the time. If you go on Joe Rogan's podcast, you hear it constantly. Right-wing media is constantly talking about this. So the combination of moderate Democrats saying trans rights are electoral poison and conservative activists really rallying behind this, it sort of created this like fake media storm Mm -hmm. and really made people pay attention to it and care about it a lot more than they would have otherwise. It wasn't really something that was on people's mind. And now it is an example of like the moral standing point for Republicans right now. Just white Christian nationalism is really rooted in, you know, white supremacy and the standard nuclear family. And conservatives, you know, want to maintain that American norm. And this is a good way to get people scared of that going away for a lot of different reasons. So then the rhetoric started to work. People were paying attention more. And now people who probably wouldn't have even cared are really obsessed with trans people for no good reason, Mm -hmm. even though it's like not impacting them at all. Mm -hmm. If the nuclear family heteronorm, cishet nuclear family thing was so natural, then why would why would they need so many laws to like totally it? literally yeah, you know like i i mean i mean whatever does it, it it doesn't none of this makes sense no it doesn't and the gop criticizes people within the party who are being too liberal on the topic if people aren't mm. hating trans people enough they will kind of be ostracized in republican communities and therefore like gop candidates have learned that they kind of need to be on their version of the right side of history to be successful in their races or just get support from Republicans at all. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you brought up the the media kind of buying into like, okay, well, if people on the far right believe one thing and people in the middle don't like are, are a little bit hesitant about something. It's like that sort of artificial center we see all the time with issues that are like wedge issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like one view is patently extreme and one view is patently humane. And people are, the media is like, well, we better find something that is in between those two things. Yeah, exactly. Highlight both positions. Right, yeah. Even though, like, the both sides of the table argument is so stupid when it's talking about, like, oh, do these people deserve to live their life without severe governmental intervention, like, Mm affecting the way that people are treated at school in healthcare. It's ridiculous. Right. And one side is like, these people shouldn't exist. And the other side is like, leave them alone. And right. the cent- centrists are like, is there a way for them to half exist? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> we need to come up with a law. Is there a third way? Is there a third right. way? <laughs> a secret third thing. Uh, no labels. Hashtag no labels. Oh, yeah. Put trans people on an island. Honestly, that sounds really fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fiona, nothing comes out of nowhere, are there individuals and organizations like kind of beneath 
these laws and behind these laws? And and who are they? Yeah, absolutely. So the Alliance Defending Freedom is a very, like, Christian, Republican, legal organization that has been at work on these sorts of issues for ages. They were very anti-gay, very anti-abortion. They are some of the reason that Roe v. Wade fell last year. They were really rallying behind that and providing a lot of legal support there. So So look at their track record and look at what they keep doing. They are definitely rallying behind anti-trans issues. Um, Obviously, politicians that are in the news all the time, Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, Ted Cruz, those are just some of the people. Um, Trump didn't honestly really care about trans people that much, and now he's (laughs) hopped on the bandwagon. He's very anti now, just because that is a big, like, GOP far-right, like, rallying cry. Um, Matt Walsh, The Daily Wire, Libs of TikTok. Mm. There are a lot of people on the internet who have really been um, banding together on this, even Elon Musk and Twitter. um, Just like this week, Elon Musk banned the word cis or cisgender, literally banned those words from the platform, which is ridiculous. Like, those aren't even political. It's just like a descriptor. Also, a man who took over Twitter for free speech and he's banned a word that has no negative connotation. Literally, like, very not libertarian of you. Right. Um, I don't understand, but it's part of the whole strategy of if we let people say cis, that means like the opposite of that is trans and we don't even want to acknowledge trans people's existence. So it's... Crazy. Elon Musk literally retweeted Matt Walsh's documentary. Documentary. It's just <laughs> propaganda. It's ridiculous. It's called What is a Woman? And oh, it's, yeah. you know, trying to prove that these libs don't know even how to define what a woman is. And including trans people completely muddies the definition. And yeah, it's it's crazy. Those are some of the real heavy hitters of people who are pushing this forward. And it sounds like some of this is getting people like money like it, you know it's a way for yeah. organizations to raise money and candidates to raise money totally and then other people it seems like are chasing clout like libs of tiktok is chasing clout for this do you think it's one of those issues that i mean i feel like right now sometimes we see things really blow up and become massive issues that don't need to be discussed on such a wide level because people see that they can get more attention. Do you you see that playing out in the way that trans issues are covered? Yeah, absolutely. There's such a moral panic going on. I think, Mm. like I was saying earlier, like GOP candidates are kind of ostracized if they're not speaking out similarly and being just as anti-trans as other candidates. And I think that the language that they're using is really getting people in a fuss. Um, The tactics that they use, which are the same that they used in the anti-gay movement, it's the same that they use in the anti-abortion movement. It's all about, you know, look at what's happening to our kids. Parents are losing the right to raise their children how they want to. Um, These pedophiles are grooming them. There's genital mutilation going on. Um, Just like using that language really ramps it up and makes people really scared and just like plays into that fear. And then people can really capitalize on the clout that comes from this widespread 
media moral panic. And then TERFs, that's like a whole other vocabulary that they use, like trying to reframe feminism. Um, mm-hmm. They say like trans men are victims of the patriarchy. They hate being a woman, so they turn into a man. Trans women are just men in dresses who, you know, want to get closer to women. And um, that's like patriarchal forces at work. And then non-binary people, they're like, we're just not going to talk about that because that doesn't make any sense (laughs) to us, which is so funny and silly. Um, Fee, Fee, talk a little bit more about how the extreme messaging that you were sort of starting to talk about gets laundered to the masses. Like, how do anti-trans people mask their agendas in faux concern for children and specific like like for me an an issue that so many people are talking about but is almost affecting no one is like trans people in sports (sighs) trans people in sports is a ridiculous debate lance armstrong just tweeted about how what was he thinking what was he thinking weighing into any debate oh you're against an unfair advantage now sir (laughs) i know i'm sorry I'm sorry. Where are my injectables? Oh <laughs> Literally. Oh, God. Ugh. Um, how is it getting laundered to the masses? I mean, Twitter with Elon right. allowing all of this, Fox News, like, platforming this. Um, I think the Daily Wire, just, like, yeah. far-right media is is extremely strong. They're really, like, capitalizing off of this. Um, they're going into schools, you know, with book bans and, and all of that. That's, like, a really good way to rally parents in conservative areas and get them to care about the issue. And using that crazy vocabulary and making it sound so insane and that trans people are a threat, that they're scary and weird and bad and, you know, brainwashing your children. It's just propaganda to get people to vote for them. It's literally just to mobilize their voter base to get people to care about conservative issues because, like, as our society progresses and, like, trans people get more visible and more normalized, um, they're like, oh my god, well, we're going to capitalize on this in the opposite direction until people get bored. But yeah, really just like using the media and then going into schools and stuff. I feel like those are the biggest ways that they're trying to get the masses to pay attention. And also like stupid Supreme Court decisions going on. Like there's a case that still has yet to be decided by the court about like this website maker who doesn't want to make wedding websites for uh, Colorado gay people strikes and again. Stuff like that. Like just introducing bullshit like that into the political and legal system that really gets it in front of people's faces and, you know, starts to convince people to care about something that is really dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, it is, it's so strange to me, like the the Venn diagram of people who would make fun of someone for attending a WNBA game <laughs> and who are furious <laughs> that uh, somebody who was not born and assigned female at birth may compete against WNBA players in some case. Yeah. Like, that's a circle, you know? I like, love so when true. you go Venn diagram on oh, us. I, I, I love it. I need to, I like, un, I need to, like, 
pry that out of my brain because I use it too much. But it's true. <laughs> like the, it just seems as though they don't care about women's sports. Like, no, they don't care about women. They don't sports. care about women in sports. Period. And it's just like so much more nuanced than the way that they paint it. Yeah, like yeah, going back to women in sports. Like, okay, when did these kids start transitioning? Did they go through puberty before? Like, they're not having nuanced conversations about the realities of what's going on. Erin, something that you say a lot about anti-abortion stuff is, like, the people who are making these laws can't even find the vagina on a woman's body. You know what I mean? Like, they don't even understand what it means to be trans, and they're making these laws about trans people assuming that they know better or how the processes go, and they just simply don't. Just a flat ban on trans people in sports, it it doesn't make sense. In fact, most of the trans and queer people I know have two left feet and are extremely unathletic. Mm. I feel like (laughs) cis people might have an advantage. (laughs) So, yeah, they're silly. They don't know anything. It also seems like the American Conservative Party right now is this kind of unholy alliance between a small number of super wealthy people who all they want to do is remove regulations that keep them from making even more money and Mm -hmm. taxes that keep them from keeping all of that money. But in order to get people to vote for their candidates, they have to make them afraid of something that really like that. This is the new this is the new thing. This is the new thing that they're like, we're going to scare you so much about this one thing that you're going to vote against your own financial interests, environmental interests, health interests. Literally, all of our other policies are so bad for you. We know you're not going to vote for us. Let's try this one out. If we scream (laughs) about this. Maybe maybe you'll miss out on the fact that we're like whispering about like poisoning the earth and uh, making public school a thing of the past and making it even more difficult to raise a family in this country by making it even more expensive and eliminating, you know, any sort of social safety net and, and, and enabling companies to just completely drain all of your resources as you approach end of life care. Like these are the things that they're actually like. I think if you just looked at, I mean, I'm going into graphs again, Alyssa. <laughs> I love it. Do but it. But I think if you looked at a pie chart of Ooh, what sexy like pie chart of of like, OK, this is this is what Republicans actually do when they're elected, if they're left to their own devices, you know, the amount of impact they're having, like it, it, like overall, it, it's mostly about taxes and regulations. Yeah. Yes. And it's yes. not about and it's not about like trans kids wanting to join the soccer team that matches the gender. No, that no. They, it's, they care a lot more about pipelines than they do about trans kids' yeah, mental health. Totally. Yes. I mean, they're not scared of wokeism. They're scared of, like, irrelevance. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. know that their policies aren't popular. <laughs> so they're trying to manufacture a way to try to be popular in, in some way. But, like... The the hope comes from, I mean, look at how many states are 
reacting to Roe v. Wade and saying, well, actually, abortion is something that we all want and we want to be protecting. Look at how, I mean, gay marriage is a thing. I feel like gay people aren't as big of a deal as they used to be. (laughs) And I cannot wait for um, trans people to kind of get to the same place. Like, eventually, this moral panic that the right is fueling, eventually people are going to get bored of it and more and more people are going to know trans people, have trans family members, and be like, oh, actually, these are just normal people that we want to let be. Mm-hmm. as we do with everybody else. So I look forward to when people are bored of this and trans people can <laughs> just exist and it's uh, not like a debate about mm-hmm. whether they do or not. Yeah. I mean, in the meantime, these laws really do affect people in a in a dire way. Yeah, it's um, terrible. Yeah, families in Florida considering mm-hmm. moving. Yeah. Uh, Texas, same deal. There's There's families all over the country that now are faced with this idea that they can't get care for their children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, you know, it's it's really important that people are fighting back. So can you give us a little outline of organizations that are fighting against this tide and how they're helping? Well, first, um, I'm trans. Shout out to the Gender Confirmation Center in San Francisco. They are providing gender-affirming care for people. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people from states like that have definitely flocked over to them. Um, They're awesome. Um, I can attest that gender-affirming healthcare did so much for me and made me so much happier in my everyday life. It's It's ridiculous that people in the GOP get plastic surgery. What's the difference? That is literally gender-affirming care. Mm -hmm. Um, And -hmm. you cannot tell me otherwise. Um, Other people who are fighting back, um, I want to shout out people who are doing good in the political system. Maury Turner, Zoe Zephyr. Um, We had Becca Ballant on recently, and one of the things that she talked about was how this is something that she's actively fighting. Um, And I know that there are other Dems across the states who are doing the same thing, doing their best in these red places. Um, Some orgs that are awesome, obviously the ACLU. Um, There's a lawyer from there called Chase Strangio. He is awesome. Um, Definitely would suggest following him on socials and stuff. He talks about this stuff very poignantly um, all the time and is actively representing people who are in battles that have to do with trans rights and that sort of thing. Media Matters for America, Translash is an amazing organization. They have a podcast called The Anti-Trans Hate Machine. That's a really good resource for learning about the history of all this. They talk about, you know, Anita Bryant and the anti-gay movement and how that compares and just in general, like, the way the far right launders all of this um, yeah, and through to Florida. their Florida, It's always through Florida. I know. Always. What is it? What is it about Florida? They put something in the oranges. <laughs> I mean, they... Boycotted her, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, she was a orange spokesperson, which... Yeah, another person that I would definitely recommend, someone who actively fights back and helps out a lot with kind of, she has a lot of experience converting people from like a far right internet rabbit holes to you know, believing that trans people exist and shouldn't be, you know, uh, banished from the planet. Um, that's ContraPoints. She's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Her most recent um, video on YouTube is all about J.K. Rowling, a very famous trans 
transphobe. Don't fight me <laughs> on that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, amazing trans journalists out there as well. Our very own Trevel Anderson, who mm-hmm. is on WAD, um, does amazing stuff there. Um, they just wrote a book um, about trans representation in the media and in film and TV especially. Um, and then other trans activists are really incredible. There are so many, so many people who are so poignant and speaking about this online all the time. Alok Menon is amazing, um, non-binary icon. Um, and Elliot Page, for instance, yeah. I just finished reading his book. It's a really wonderful personal story about growing up with these thoughts and just like the different stories of how he got closer and closer to himself and like how glimpses of his truth just were carried with him throughout his life. And he eventually was able to like really manifest that truth and step into his his fullness um, after years of like repression and self-hatred. And it's so devastating. I don't understand why Republicans want people to hate themselves so much just for their financial benefit. It is sick and twisted. But um, yeah, those are some really amazing people who are doing good work around this. Amazing. And we will put those in the show notes. And I know that yeah. you have them written down because that's <laughs> how Fiona does. True. F- Fiona Pistana, thank you so much for joining us. This was really illuminating. And thanks mm-hmm. for all the work you did on the segment. Oh, my God. Totally. Yeah, of course. All right. Stick around because Fiona gets to do a Sandy Petty with us. Thank God. <laughs> You can live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Hysteria is brought to you by Lumi. BO comes from bacteria all over the body. So why do deodorants stop at your pits? Erin, why do they stop at your pits? Is that all we've ever known? Why would I know the answer to that question? I wasn't worried about it until it was pointed out to me that BO comes from bacteria all over my body. All over. That's why I'm so excited to tell you and our listeners about Lumi, the world's best whole body deodorant. Its acidified formula is clinically proven to control odor-causing bacteria everywhere, pits, privates, and beyond for a whopping 72 hours. Oh, God. This is going to be a summer where I just don't shower. <laughs> 72 hours between clean. It's going to be like, excuse me while I Lumi. <laughs> There are going to be city officials coming to my door saying, like, we appreciate you attempting to conserve water. <laughs> the neighbors are upset. And I'm going to be like, no, that's not me that smells. That's someone who isn't using Lumi because Lumi works. <laughs> OBGYN Lumi's founder, Dr. Shannon Klingman, met thousands of women concerned with odor below the belt. 
through clinical testing, she discovered it wasn't the vagina to blame. The vagina gets blamed for everything. The poor vagina. And it is never the vagina's fault. Leave the vagina alone. But it's actually bacteria on the skin that causes odor, not the vagina. Vindication for the vagina. Sweet freedom. Sweet freedom for the vagina. So she created Lumi, a pH-optimized aluminum-free deodorant that actually works and works everywhere with over 150,000 five-star reviews to prove it. Special offer. New customers get $5 off Lumi's starter pack with code hysteria at lumideodorant.com. I got to say, Alyssa, we laugh at the copy here, but this is a necessary and useful product, especially during the summer, especially if you're somebody who is not like popping home to freshen up between appointments and activities. Like, toss a all-over-the-body deodorant into your bag. It's way better than trying to, like, take a pit shower in a public restroom. Lovely scents. Lovely scents. So many subtle, nice things that you don't mind smelling, but also will not conflict with perfume should you choose to wear it. It's like back in the day. I mean, you put a little, like, powder-fresh scent under your arm and, like, there is no perfume to be had unless you are just in a toxic odor cocktail walking around your high school or office. Indeed. Toxic odor cocktail. What I love is uh, specifically the wipes. You can just take them with you. Oh, love the wipes. I cannot even tell you how many times in my life I have had to go to something important that happened at the end of my day. And when I got there, I was like, hmm. Yeah, I'm a little ripe. Yeah, I'm a little ripe, but like there's really no 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 way to clean up. You literally have to take like a, you know, paper towel. Sometimes you go into the public bathrooms and they don't even have this is just so much better. Thin toilet paper, you get that wet, it just dissolves. You're not cleaning yourself up with that. And then you get like, oh, yeah, exactly. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code hysteria at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use the code HYSTERIA. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that is taking a break next week. That's not a joke. That's real. No, we are. We're taking a break next week. We rarely take breaks. We work fairly constantly forever. We do. Uh, but we're taking a break next week, so don't be alarmed when next Thursday rolls around and there's no hysteria in your feed. You should just go back and listen to one of the old episodes. Yeah. But not too old because I think we've gotten a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. We've gotten a lot better. Yeah, you can listen to any of the Amy Klobuchar interviews we've done, though, because <laughs> they're all good. They're all good. Okay, Fiona's still with us for Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. Alyssa, I'm going to have you go first. Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? Uh, Petty. Okay. Good. couple things. One, the New York Times really needs to rein in their threshold for pushing breaking news alerts. That's number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let me tell you why I start with that, because yesterday I got a breaking news alert that Ryan Seacrest will be the new Pat Sajak on Wheel of Fortune. God. OK, guys, does anyone at the table or in the studio believe that we need more Ryan Seacrest in our lives. No. Or that his move to Wheel of Fortune is worthy of any sort of breaking news alert. No. 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 
But here's the thing that got me. After I was done being annoyed by the misuse of a breaking news alert, I was like, what the fuck? The low-hanging fruit move here was to make Vanna White, who has turned the letters on Wheel of Fortune for 40 years, the host. Literally. 40 years. It would have been so smart. She would have been on the cover of magazines. It would have been such a fucking good move. But we've got Ryan Seacrest. But guess what? Now Vanna White's got a lawyer. (laughs) Because it turns out, and this is where I think maybe I transition into low-key Sandy, is that turns out that Pat Sajak was always making like 15 mil a year and she was maybe making three. And everybody knows the numbers that Ryan Seacrest commands. So she has a big badass lawyer who I think is going to make sure... Vanna either gets a big payday or maybe a, I'm telling you, if she got a book deal, I'd read that book and we would have her on this show. Oh, <laughs> oh I would. Absolutely. I would turn every page with the elegance of Vanna White turning a letter. So true. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so anyway, that's my Sandy Petty. I just, uh, fuck you. Oh, my God. I have a theory about why like Ryan Seacrest and Blake Shelton and America's like weird, like most boring celebrities or like unappealing people keep getting plum gigs. Why? So the first time I ever was like working in TV, we were like we were developing a show and you put it in front of like test audiences. Yep. And I learned that test audiences the way that they put them together is like really unsophisticated. They like go to a mall in Las Vegas and just like grab people that look regular. That's so funny. Um, So like political focus group, same model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) They just grab people that like look regular, but it's literally like a shopping mall in Las Vegas. Like they're not going to like a bookstore and they're like, there's a big vegan cooking section here. We're going to grab people from, you know, they're not nobody with like a specialized interest or like a specialized amount of, knowledge or whatever. It's all just like average ass people. Yeah. So I feel like someone like Ryan Seacrest is a Las Vegas shopping mall's idea of like a cool guy. So true. You know, perfect for normies. Yeah, I agree. Extremely palatable. Poor Vanna White, though. Like she's not just a mannequin. She's (laughs) a real person. And I hope she gets some real money. I know, for yeah, real. She deserves it, 100%. Spin the wheel again. Yes. Ryan. So true. All right, so here's mine. Next Tuesday is the 4th of July, and I live in Los Angeles, and there is... Uh, fireworks are illegal. You cannot own fireworks as a private citizen. As should be the case. <laughs> and yet, and yet, fucking everyone has fireworks. Like, every single place I've lived, different neighborhoods completely different areas. There are fireworks going off that are just set off just like freelance, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I've only been here for five years, but it has gotten progressively worse. There's a fireworks creep going on. Fireworks have been going off in my neighborhood for the last week. Oh, my God. And they're going off. I know. And they're going off after dark. So after 8 p.m. Oh, no, it's too early. They waken the baby. They, Way too early. They wake the baby. First of all, a lot of people have babies. Yeah. And even if you don't have babies, you're entitled to a child-free life, but not a child-free world. Also, when you get old, other people's babies are going to keep the infrastructure running. Yeah. So True. you should have a little bit of consideration for the fact that other people 
live your life, but don't like explode your life so that other people can't live theirs. So also people have dogs. Animals do not like the sound. It's scary to them. And I think that the 4th of July, fine, we could have one holiday where people light off fireworks and stuff. But in the week up to the 4th of July, that's excessive. And if you live near other people and those people might have pets, they might have children, or, you know, they might just be sensitive and not like loud noises. And or maybe they work a shift where they have to go to bed at 6 p.m. and wake up at 4 in the morning. Like be fucking aware that other people exist. That's all. If you want to practice setting off fireworks before the 4th of July to make sure that you won't mess it up, (laughs) just go to the middle of the desert. It's so easy Uh to do that here. Okay, Mm -hmm. gender reveal parties have taught us most Americans should not have access to fireworks or things that can create smoke. (laughs) Talk about a Venn diagram. People that should not have access to fireworks and People who have gender reveal parties. Yes. A circle. (laughs) I was going to say, they are some of the dumbest. They are some of the dumbest. But also, like, there's so much nothing in California. People, and and it is so close. It is so close to get to a bunch of nothing. Literally. Just practice there. Also, like, if you live in a city and you're really close to people and you've no place to practice and fireworks are illegal, maybe fireworks aren't in the cards for you. Right, right. Maybe you should just accept defeat. Yeah. And like let the pros do it themselves. Buy, buy a whatever meta Oculus headset and watch a <laughs> fireworks display on there. Uh, and it, it'll be immersive and you won't bother anybody. Because like, Jesus Christ, like, fuck off. I, I'm sorry. Fuck off. Anyway, Fiona, that leaves you. Um, I'm going to end on a good note. This is inspired by my interaction at Starbucks this morning. Wow. Um, and also just my life. I walked into Starbucks. I was ordering my iced oat milk latte, classic gay beverage. <laughs> um, Even I'm not in the community and I know that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. Everybody knows. Um, it's a dead giveaway. Um, listen, if you want to know, it's like flagging. You know how people would flag if they were queer or not? Like people would put different flags in their back pockets. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the contemporary version of that is ordering an iced oat milk latte. That's what my husband <laughs> orders. <laughs> oh my and, I, and I did. T- I was like, you know, that in, you know, that it, I'm like, <laughs> ha, you know, it's considered a signifier by many in the queer community. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's not. And then you just, OK, all right. He's like, well, I love my drink. Yeah, he's 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 secure. He's a, a strong ally. He's a is strong, all that it is. Um, but I walked in and the barista was like, "Oh my god, I like your shirt and your hair and your tattoos." And I was like, "Oh my god, that is so nice of you." And then on my way out, somebody was also like, "I like your hair" because I told them I like their hair. So there's that. And then also, I live in a neighborhood of LA called Frogtown. I love it over there. It's wonderful. People are always like, "LA is not a walkable city." I think if you stay in your neighborhood and if you can pick where you live, like based on the walkability of a neighborhood, like you can totally make that happen. I walk to coffee shops all the time. I love my baristas. There's this vegan bakery in my neighborhood called Just What I Needed. Woman owned. Amazing. All the baristas know who I am now because I go there all the time. They give me the neighborhood discount. So my Sani is befriending baristas. Yes. They are so kind. It's the little moments in your day. You know what I mean? Being a regular at a coffee shop feels so good. You're like, look at me. I'm investing in my community. I'm making this place feel like home. I feel like you befriend a barista. Your neighbor will see you befriend a barista. You will maybe befriend your neighbor or they will befriend the barista. It's just about building community in the little ways. And it makes 
getting to go get your little treat beverage feel a little extra good. So B, I yeah. have to tell you about my favorite barista. Oh, please. Flashback 1998. OK, mm. I'm living in Soho. There's this one place called Puerto Rican Imports. Great coffee place. And all of my roommates and I would go there all the time. And then one day I started showing up like not at seven o'clock, but at 10 o'clock. Mm. And Steve, as his name would be, was like, how come you're here now? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't have a job. Aaron, it was when I quit being a secretary at Merrill Lynch. Mm. And Ooh. He started giving me free day old corn muffins because he knew I had no money. And then the other barista, Craig, was missing. And I was like, where did Craig go? And he's like, he got his big break. He's like a cadaver on Law and Order. And to Ugh. this day, when we see Craig on any episode of Law and Order, all of our old roommates text it. And we're like, fucking cheers to Craig. <laughs> uh, I love that so much. I love like being looped into the drama of the barista. Yes, 100 percent. Tell me everything. It's amazing. So we were talking about the ultimatum on this show. There's a coffee shop really close to the office that I go to all the time. Every single barista is gay. I know this. <laughs> I like walked in one time they were talking about the ultimatum and I was like, oh my God, guys, I'm not fully caught up yet. I will let you know when I am. We'll talk about it. I came back like a week or two later and one of the baristas, I was like meeting someone for coffee. One of the baristas came up to me, over to me at the table that I was sitting at and they were like, hey, I saw that you were here and you haven't come to talk to us about the ultimatum yet. And I just want to let you know that we're waiting. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, I got to give a shout out to Silver Lake Coffee, aka yeah. SLC. Let's go. That's one of my fave local spots. Didn't we go there? Uh, we went to, no, we went to Highland Park Cafe. Oh, okay. Mm. But that place is great, too. And then Cafe Leche is also really good mm. on York in Highland Park. Yes, yes. This is all inside baseball talk. It is. But you know what's, Erin, one quick thing. What's even funnier is that this morning when I went to go get my quad shot latte dry, don't ask for why I asked for a latte dry, <laughs> uh, the barista was like, what are you and Aaron going to talk about today? And when they listen to the pod and see that we talked about baristas at fees prompting, you guys, this is like the most full circle episode we've ever done. It's full, it's full circle and we will continue to spin around for the next two weeks. Yes. While we take a much deserved rest. Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the mic today. Oh, my God. Of course. Thank, thank you, you for having me. It was a lot of fun of and a, a baller of a Sandy Petty debut. For oh, sure. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Senator Amy Klobuchar for the great book. The book is awesome. So good. Like I read the whole thing and was like, I'm not mad that I read this whole thing. Same. It's kind of a beach read. Highly it recommend. It is. It is. I am. I fully play. I underlined the parts of it where I was like, this is Minnesota nice, a.k.a. <laughs> like passive aggressively mean in the like <laughs> and it because she's funny. Right. Anyway, yes. the book is great. Definitely recommend it if you need something to read over the holiday. Listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us. We love you. We can't wait to come back in a couple weeks. There will be more hysteria then. Enjoy your holiday. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. 
Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, post takeovers, and other community events. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 